This week, we take you back to the 100th episode of BLGP, the date, September 25th, 2016, the headline, NetHack Tucks Race a Happy Anniversary, we spare a little time in the episode to cover a relatively new and unimportant development in Linux gaming history known as Steam. Please enjoy this encore presentation, and please, pardon the poor audio quality. Also, please note, Ivor is still fired. I'm in position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go. The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of a egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam, my name is Scooky Sprite, I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like, kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. I know, 100, being recorded for you on this glorious Saturday morning, uh, the 24th of September, 2016, at 7.55 a.m. Pacific Time, also known as For You, For Me, My Sequel, Time and Date, Month, Month, Year, 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 2016, 09, 24, at 7.48 a.m. Pacific Time. Cheers, welcome to episode 100. Ah, yes, Ivor Molina says cheers as well. Cheers, Ivor. Yes, more whiskey, more whiskey. Welcome to episode 100 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, an episode which I spent a lot of time thinking about. Because no matter how you slice it, this is episode 100. That means there have been 100 episodes of this podcast. Um, and 
had it not been for the third or fourth episode, it was the third or fourth week of doing this show, um, it happened to fall like on New Year's or something, I was like, ah, fuck it, take a week off, you know, we'll be back next week, who cares? <laughs> Little did I know that we would operate without, you know, any sort of adult intervention, supervision, or the man cracking down on us for <laughs> 97 or 96 more episodes but had I known that we would go this long I would never have taken that break because every episode every week since that break every Saturday you know every weekend we have been here I hope you've been with us thank you for being with us uh, now um, let's just get all the simpy blah but I really mean it uh, thank you to all the people who over these last two years that's what's crazy 100 episodes means two years and and a lot of people have whether they've been acknowledged on the show or not um whether they've been you know massive presences presence presences ah it's christmas let's have some presences whether they've been massive presence is on presence whatever on the well no one actually checks out the steam group which sucks because that was the actual impetus for doing the best Linux games podcast. Um, I wanted to make a steam group to help everyone filter through the sudden torrent of awesome games available for Linux. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to anyone who is, you know, dropped in, shot me a message, um, on steam or Twitter. Um, you know, there are a bunch of people who, you know, it comes and goes in cycles and stuff, but, uh, and I, and if you haven't been one of those people, then you should be one of those people because ultimately, like, the, you know, the more the merrier. This is a foss, this is a foss fucking celebration over here, motherfuckers. Free is in freedom, not free is in beer. By the way, video games, yes, Steam, yes, yes, they do have, uh, purchase prices. By the way, I heartily recommend that you pay for freedom, not for slavery, because that's a bad deal. Just ask Richard Stallman, one of the, <laughs> one of the, hey, Richard, uh, I think we should make those businesses fail. <laughs> anyway, I noticed that I have not ripped off Chris Fisher's soundboard from Jupiter Broadcasting. Anyway, I want to thank all of our listeners, all of our contributors, Joe Jokimon Kendall, many people who have not been ever acknowledged um, on air, you know, recently, like I've been torturing this guy, the infamous one. He keeps breaking our computer. You know, blah. This is, you know, reach out and touch, reach out, reach out and touch someone. This is a community effort. Um, you know, it it, it gets better and better. The the more, like you know, the more I can't do it all alone. Is what I'm trying to say, and I couldn't have gone here for whatever here means. It means 100 episodes of what it means without a lot of people. And I want to, you know, thank you all, and I want to thank you, the listeners, most of all. So, what are we doing for this hundredth episode? Did did I mention it's the hundredth episode? One hundred motherfucking episodes. So that means Ten two years, years, man. Ten. I spent a lot of time thinking about what are we going to do? Should we do the best games ever covered on the best Linux games podcast? And then I started thinking, no, we need to just, we need to do something that's not we need to do something smaller than that that is simultaneously less reductionist. 
in its scope and encompasses a much broader topic. So I'm going to so here's what we're doing on this our 100th episode. Whether or not you go back like I do to uh, the mid 90s with Linux Where have you been for 10 years? Go back and listen to older episodes if you want to know all about me and Linux. I go way back. I'm an old motherfucker. Whether or not you go that far back or you're only a, you know, relatively recent, you know, blonde, any Linux user who has been using Linux as their daily driver or has been working towards that goal, um, assiduously, wait, is that even, I don't even know if that's the right word. Um, but you know, bit by bit, piecemeal, over time, hoping to one day supplant all the functionality of, you know, whatever their current or previous daily driver has been. Anyone who has been involved in that process for longer, basically longer than two years. Ten years, man! Ten! Will understand what, what it means when I say that over the last two years, by virtue specifically of Steam having come to Linux... And we won't talk about Steam coming to Linux in terms of like its massive import in terms of breaking the backs of the uh, publishers and developers monopolies, the major publishing houses who of course hire the major developers who of course have all the money and all the promotion, blah blah blah. Steam coming to Linux didn't really break the backs of those guys. It did help. But Steam as a force over the last, you know, five, eight years. By the way, don't even fucking step to death row about me and Steam. I remember when Steam was copyright protection for Counter-Strike, not Counter-Strike Go and not Counter-Strike Source, but Counter-Strike the mod when Steam was the copy protection network that checked to make sure that you playing on computer number 32 at the LAN cafe, which had been built to play Counter-Strike, was running a fully validated um, and authenticated copy of the Half-Life engine. One per computer, please. So don't fuck with me about Steam. But what I'm saying here is, anyone who goes back a while with Linux will be shocked, as, as was I, to realize that over the last two years 100 episodes of this show which began shortly after Steam came to Linux, I mean we're, you know it was within months that I started the Best Linux Games podcast group, Best Linux Games group on Steam, which you should join no one joins it, it's okay more people hear the podcast anyway bottom line is when Steam came to Linux it transformed Linux. And it's not easy to see that as we're going through these sorts of things because Linux is free and open source software. It is the absolute epitome of the FOSS ecosystem. And FOSS is an incremental process and it's a community-based process where it seems like I mean, f- fundamentally, if, you, if you've been running Linux as your daily driver for any number of years, fundamentally your experience with Linux has at some point been characterized by either because you're on the bleeding edge. That's what Linux is. Lin- that's what FOSS is. It is the bleeding edge. Not intentionally, but that's its great strength and its greatest weakness. Forget rolling release or for. Fed- 
Dora or Debian or, you know, Mandrake or Slackware or whatever, or Arch. Um, FOSS is epitomized by incremental developments many, 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 many tiny. In the immortal words of one of my great professors, Dr. D. Goss Nelson, oh, did you see a light bulb go on? Yes, the small ones add them up and eventually they become big ones, big light bulbs. That is the FOSS mindset. That is the FOSS ethos. That is the FOSS ecosystem, idiosphere, um, design, development, and uh, et cetera process. That, that is how we are chewing up problems. And by virtue of the fact that it's simultaneously both micro-incremental and community-based, it's often very difficult even for, you know, old motherfuckers like myself um, to sometimes fully accept or appreciate uh, the the scope and degree of progress that has just been made because we're always on the bleeding edge. So even, you know, like right now, when I say to you that Steam over the, the last two years since we've started doing this podcast has completely changed the face of Linux. I'm sure that there are some people out there, in fact, I'm sure that there are a great many of them, who at first, without considering it, and I'm going to present the evidence to you, we'll be like, oh, that's hyperbole, you're full of shit, Squeeze, you know, blah, 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 Seth, you're an idiot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Likewise, there would be another percentage of the Linux-using community who would be like, oh, yeah, whatever, but we have to, we don't have this title, we don't have that title, this doesn't work yet, that doesn't work yet, this has always been, this character, this is, this is, you know, I'm half, half Latvian Jew, half Irish Catholic, raised in both traditions, believer in none, but that's exact, my grandmother on my mother's side was going to be a nun, my grandmother on my my great grandmother on my father's side fled fucking Latvia from the you know anyway. So what I'm trying to say here is Linux and the FOSS community, its greatest strength, its greatest weakness, every happy family is just the same, but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. So what I what I what I'm going to endeavor to do over the next 25, 30 minutes, and I have not recorded this yet, I'm just gonna freewheel this as best as I'm able to, is to show just how fucking insane these last 100 episodes have been. Flames, flames, flames on the side of my face. In terms of bringing gaming to Linux, because when Steam came to Linux, it brought the final piece of an operating system to Linux. It actually brought the games. You're becoming hysterical. And I don't care what type of computing you've been doing, you know, your entire life, or if you're new to computing or whatever, if you're new to Linux or old hand at Linux, or if you've been, you know, if you remember word per... I was looking at Xenos after last week's episode found one person, there's one webpage that remembers Xenos, Stranger Beware for the TRS <laughs> 32 kilobyte game available <laughs> uh, it's a Tandy company 
I don't care where you fit into that spectrum. Basically, and I know I'm skipping a bunch of games, but from, you know, the mid-90s when I jumped into Linux, we're talking about Linux games. Not MUDs, not games on IRC. From what, from the time I started on Linux up until, like, fuck, 10! Maybe five years later was when I finally got Tux Racer, but there were there were two games. There was NetHack and Tux Racer. And we both owe a tremendous amount of shit to NetHack. NetHack, oh, you you, you like procedurally generated game. Oh, you like uh Dungeon Crawl. Oh, you like um Roguelikes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so cheers to NetHack and kind of cheers to Tux Racer. I mean, Tux Racer was a fucking accomplishment. And other than that, if you go back with Linux, apart from you know, like, I mean, I could tell you about this XCOM clone that I played eight years ago. I want to say eight years ago. It was a long time ago. It was two houses, uh, a house and a half ago. So it was a long time ago. I, you had to compile it yourself. It was an XCOM, free and open source XCOM clone whose name I cannot remember. It was very good. I played the shit out of it too. It took over four days to compile. Actually, honestly, I want to say it took six and a half days for it to compile. You had to compile it yourself. So when Steam came to Linux, it didn't just bring um, you know, market share. It brought all those things. It brought market share. It brought legitimacy. But ultimately, and what we are really concerned about is Steam brought games to Linux. And I 100% stand behind that. And you know, Best Links Games Podcast is not originally designed or was not originally um, intended to be exclusively Steam-based focused, but it made it so easy and there were so many titles and there still are so many titles coming out on a constant basis for Linux that work and you pay, you get the game. Um, on Linux, I mean, it's kind of weird to not have like an actual physical copy, but I think at this point, all of us um, in all of our media consumption are getting used to that uh, concept of not actually having a physical copy. Many of us, including myself, are chafing increasingly underneath it, um, even though we've been absolutely ill at ease from the very beginning. Um, but, you know, Steam brought gaming to Linux. So let's take a little trip down memory lane for those. And this, I think, will be. Um, I'm just going to have a blast doing this. We'll do 20 minutes of it, I think. I have two napkins from the bar. So for those of you who are like, now there's so many other games than NetHack and, and Tux Racer, those are the two that anyone. You know, I mean, because you were not playing games on... I mean, sure, you could run them in Wine or through some sort of virtualization layer. None of them were very good if they required any sort of 3D rendering. Um, And by very good, I mean possible to even run in any sort of fucking way that resembled a real game. So, for those of you, for all of us, actually, what a triumph Steam coming to Linux has been. Let's just take a look at these two little napkins. So I have on this first napkin 
I have a bunch of titles that I tried to kind of rank in terms of like when they came out and shit. This has spiraled way out of control. So let's just start. Let's just start. With the game that I know that you're all thinking of. In terms of Steam, Linux. Oh my god, revolutionary! Mighty number nine. <laughs> I'm just kidding! I do, I, but I have to mention this. Mighty number nine, as if to insult me by grinding broken glass into my eyeballs. For the record, Mighty number nine, over this last week, I they did not release a news item. I tried to look. Blah, blah, blah. Mighty number nine now runs on Linux. So, ha, 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 me. Go back and listen to the Friend Love Beam episode if you need to know about Mighty Number 9. I've not been able to bring myself to play it beyond the fact that I've played it on Linux. So, that negativity out of the way. Let's talk about this. So, you have Tux Racer and NetHack. How about Counter-Strike Global Offensive? Hmm? Hmm? Okay, fine. Fine. Eventually, Valve ruins CSGO, so that's fine. Is it Global Offensive or Global Operations? I always get tech confused. I only... Never mind. I will not talk about Counter-Strike in this... for the remainder of this episode. That's all I have to say. So, CSGO. You want to play that on the... Done! Done! And then eventually they ruin it, but okay, fine. Then they followed it up with Payday 2. These are ports. Payday 2 is still fucking unbelievable. Older game, whatever. Does not matter! Super fucking fun. Okay, fine. Fine. How about a game that launched, if I remember correctly, launched with Linux support was absolutely stunning. Still is absolutely stunning! We ran a server for it. ARK. Survival Evolved. ARK. I'm so glad that those motherfuckers made a million dollars off of that game in early access. They absolutely deserve it. Okay, fine. So you have NetHack and Tux Racer, Payday 2, CSGO, Arc Survival Evolve. Okay, fine. Well, yeah, I'm still unimpressed. Witcher 2! Witcher 2, which everyone hated the Linux port because, you know, it ran in a virtualization layer. I say bring it on, even though it is not as free as it could be moving towards freedom, anything that makes it easier for developers to get to a port that is freedom. Ultimately, I say rising tide lifts all boats. Um, And ultimately, as the two technologies, by the way, as an aside, you know, virtualization layers, Windows, as Windows becomes more Linux-like, which is just crazy what they've been doing uh, lately, uh, with like, you know, I don't I don't really keep up with it, but like, what I keep hearing and I'm not saying that it's no bullshit, I have one machine anyway, you can listen to other rants about blah as Windows becomes more Linux-like and as Linux becomes more Windows-like um, as one co-ops and perverts the other <laughs> or licenses out the other whatever yeah trust me by the way FOSS will always win it's inevitable now you see the new world is inevitable 
Mighty Number no. 9, CSGO, Art, you know, Payday 2, Witcher 2, Shadows of Mordor, Sensor 4, um, just recently, Rocket League finally comes to Linux. Can you see a pattern here? Now, eliminate everything in that list so far, except for Tux Racer and NetHack. Oh. Okay. But more awesome fucking AAA ports. Because everyone is always like, yeah, sure, you can play games on Linux, but they're shitty games. You know, they're not even just old games, they're just shitty games. <laughs> Alien Isolation, suck a dick. Anyone who wants to say that Alien Isolation, right as of right fucking now, right now, anyone who wants to say Alien Isolation is not one of the best looking and best designed full-blooded, multi-million dollar triple-A titles ever produced in gaming history. There's a big dick right here! You can suck it! Um, trust me, I close my eyes, it's all okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so not just, okay, so now, now, now there's another portion of, of people who are like, yeah, sure, but they're, you know, sure, generally speaking, generally speaking, the games that have come, the triple-A titles that have come to Linux, you know, yeah, they are not brand new. In fact, they don't release as of yet. And this is something I've been... I thought Batman was going to do it, but then Batman couldn't even release a game for Windows. Um, but as of yet, the one biggest thing that Steam has not brought to Linux is a top-of-the-line AAA title whose street date for Linux coincides with its street date for any and all other systems. But that, in this market, even forgetting the fact that Linux is, and do not get me wrong, Linux is the bastard stepchild of this. Steam makes Linux real to the marketplace. Trust me, where's the money? Where's the money? The money ain't in enterprise fucking support licenses at, you know, $250,000 a pop for, you know, giant Cisco networks to fucking you know, run Citibank, that ain't where the money is, now everyone can afford a fucking computer and everyone wants to play video games, which is better $250,000 a year which is probably more like $5 million a year plus upcharge for the equipment but whatever, for, for Cisco to run Citibank or whatever or 50 million people paying you $20 a pop. It's $150 million right there with no overhead and no packaging, no promotional, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is, this is how Steam, by making this all platform agnostic and awesome by including Linux in this, has brought gaming to Linux. So, okay, so Alien Isolation, so the other common thing that I hear, and by the way, I'm not yelling at any individual person. These are feelings that I have. Trust me, I'm a human being. Trust me, feelings are people too. They also have humans. Um, I have no idea what that meant, but just remember that whatever is not part of the problem is also part of the solution. That is programming rule number one. No, I'm just kidding. Again, what I'm trying to say here is, if I can be serious, Ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me lay on you a great humanity. Now, the other thing that I hear is yeah, but the games that 
are available for Linux that are, you know, blah, they, they don't represent a broad range of types of games. Well, okay, I think we kind of refuted that already, but let me add these three for you. Strike Suit Zero, which is a type of game that really has never been made before or since Strike Suit Zero. And especially not that level. Unfortunately, Strike Suit Zero 2 doesn't work on Linux, but Strike Suit Zero 1 does. X Plane 10, which, trust me, I wrote a fucking uh, UDEV rewriter to make a certain type of pedals work with a certain type of yoke. Oh my god, does X Plane 10 run great on Linux? Okay, fine. So there you have a world class flight simulator that, you know, is like more like a pilot trainer, blah, blah, blah. You have um, a space shooter that is a first-person, third-person, far-flung, demi-light-caliber, far-flung sci-fi space combat dogfighting simulation, which you could turn into a giant mechanized robot. Spoiler alert! Oh, I'm supposed to say spoiler alert first. Um, Then you have Torchlight 2. Okay, so... There you go, that's like Diablo, but you can play it with everybody, and it's not quite as good as the latest Diablo, which was the last game I played on my Xbox One before finally just getting rid of it, along with all my games. That cool thing about the Diablo for the last Xbox One was, for the last Diablo for the Xbox One was that they finally introduced, like, okay, button combinations for, like, attacks, and so you could level up those attacks as well as everything else. But, Torchlight 2, very close. Timeless game, unbelievable amount of playtime. Okay, fine. Fine, Terraria, fine. Okay, so those are just a bunch of ports. The other big complaint. Well, okay, so yeah, but there's nothing that, like, actually is, you know, those are a bunch of fucking ports, you know, who the fuck cares, you know, blah, I played that already on my fucking Windows 7, you know, on my Windows XP, you know, service, on my Windows ME, fucking, you say, I hate you. Oh yeah, motherfucker, okay, how about oh, some other ports, by the way, Shadow Warrior, um the new one uh yeah, they, yeah, it's pretty good okay, so fine, to refute those we're like, oh, but the original them I want the original them, which is okay I feel their pain, I am those people I live their life I hope you do too and if you don't, then I hope you vicariously experience my constant agony. <laughs> um, so, okay, so, so, what Okay, um, and I'm not saying that these were originally made for Linux, but these are products of independent developers that if all you do is game on Linux, like I do, you would never have gotten to play otherwise at all for any other system ever, if all you did was, you know, Daily Driver, Linux, and then your only gaming was on Linux. Duskers! Oh my god! I'm gonna try to avoid, like, the most recent. Let's go back. Let's go way back. How about, um, Natural Selection 2? That's even an indie game. That's independent. Oh! What about, uh, Natural Selection 2, by the way, if you haven't played it? Unbelievable. That is, according to my Steam, uh, according to my Steam client, more or less, I... I tried to nail this down, but according to my Steam client, Natural Selection 2 was the very first game that I ever bought for on Steam, ever. 
and it, I bought it because Chris Fisher of the Jupiter Broadcasting Network was like, oh man, god, Natural Selection 2 is on Steam and it runs on Linux. Holy fuck. Unbelievable. For those of you who haven't played Natural Selection 2, it's your typical um, squad-based first-person shooter, real-time uh, tactical um, resource-gathering role-playing game uh, a la uh, Command and Conquer, crossed with Counter-Strike, with uh, two species, humans versus aliens. So it's all crossed with aliens. Um, yeah, it's exactly like that. You know? With, you know, yeah, it's six on six or whatever. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty brilliant game. Um, Natural Selection 2. Okay, so there we go. Um, Hand of Fate. Hand of Fate wasn't... No, I'm not saying that any of these were designed for Linux, but these games came out from independent developers with Linux support in line with them, with their release. Um, Hand of Fate. Fucking roundabout, dude. Guns of Icarus Online, which was a process for Guns of Icarus Online as a game that, you know, began long before I started this podcast and continues, I guess, to this day. But Guns of Icarus Online was one of the most impressive games I've ever played in my life. Played it for the first time on Linux. Um... I mean, wow! Okay, so I'm not going to recap all of the stuff that we've just talked about, but eliminate every title that I've just mentioned, flashback to two years ago, but before before episode one, about three months before episode one of this podcast, you had NetHack and Tux Racer. Um, okay, how about Sid Meier's Civilization V? Coming to coming to Linux. That was a huge moment. Um, chivalry. Chivalry. Do you like hacking people's fucking heads off? Unbelievable. Chivalry. Um Shadowrun Returns. Shadowrun Returns, the sequel to Shadowrun. Oh my god. Which I you know, Shadowrun, it's like, you know. I don't know, Elemental Divinity. It, you, you may, f- I may have forgotten about it on a conscious level many times over the intervening years, but it's always in my heart. When Shadowrun Returns came out, it shipped straight with Linux support in line. Shadowrun Returns, by the way, is an unbelievable game. That's an isometric uh, role-playing game. I'm, not, I'm trying not to get too bogged down here, but unbelievable! Interstellar Marines! Um, which is also still early access work in progress and is not, you know, specifically for Linux, but they very much value. <coughs> um, hang on, excuse me. Ah, no, Ivor, I don't want to take a break. I have to continue. We have to do a hundred more episodes, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, crack engineer Ivor. Yes, Ivor. Ivor says hi. He's afraid that I may have missed it earlier. These games. Transistor, Bastion, th- those guys didn't actually necessarily ship with inline Linux support, but point is, at this point, I can't fucking remember if they did or if they didn't, which is, in the immortal words of uh, Malcolm Tucker, Malcolm Tucker, from In the Loop, it does not matter if it happened or not, I'm telling you, it's a fact! As to whether it has happened or not is irrelevant, it is true! <laughs> um, that you know, <laughs> did I mention 
Uh, Duskers and Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ah, uh, God. Oh boy. Um, and just recently, I mean, the walls keep tumbling down. Uh, you know, just recently, uh, this last month or whatever, uh, having, um, not just hyperspace pinball, but, uh, the really legit, unbelievable fucking, uh, pinball simulator, um, Pro Pinball Ultra Time Shock. Finally, Linux. Those are just, that's just a genre. Gone, laddie. That, you know, like, it's been on my to-do list. You know, that, that I've been waiting for, you know, blah. So it's, I mean, take any number of, oh, okay, so, and then there, 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 there have been a number of in, independent games as the technology overall, which we'll cover in just a mere moment, over the last two years has changed and actually game development itself has become easier as we've condensed and, um, made more user-friendly the tools and technologies necessary to, uh, and why is Skype on here? See, Skype, there's a program never gonna fucking work. None of Microsoft's got hands in it. Not that it works so fucking brilliantly before. Oh, God, I'm not gonna do Malcolm Tucker. Okay, hang on. Let me get out of Skype. Thank you, Ivor. Yes. Yes, Ivor. You're right, Ivor. You are fired. You are fired. Congratulations. You made it to episode 100. Now, Get the fuck out of my studio! Okay, so now that I've worn Malina... Don't hang yourself, laddie! I have no idea. I thought that... Uh, yeah, I've worn saying the same thing. Skype... Okay, fine. Power of open source. Okay. P.S. Grab Skype. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether or not it's happened. It's a fact! He did not say unforeseeable. You may have heard him say that, but he did not say that, and that is a fact. Five, six, one, one. Goodbye, Skip. And he is gone. So, there have been actually, like, um, Chris Fisher has been from Linux Action Show, from Jupiter Broadcasting, and from TechSnap, and Linux Unplugged, and, you know, blah. If, if you're into Linux and you don't uh, watch or slash and or slash listen to um, Jupiter Broadcasting, you know, you're missing out on life. Um, you're missing out on the complete life, laddie. Oh, God. I know, Ivor. I know. We're doomed. Um, but one of the games that, uh, outside of Steam, completely free and open source, like, literally free, as in beer, in this case, which is unfortunate, because I think that they, I think that if you make something the question now these days is the licensing aspects of, you know, building something for a community by using community contributions and then licensing it and then charging other people for it, which feels skeezy and which Ubuntu has... I'm not trying to get down on Ubuntu. Linux Mint 18 built off of Ubuntu 1604. Ubuntu has done as much or more than Mandrake did, and uh, you know, fucking can't believe that Ian said. Anyway, so let's not get sidetracked. Oh, too late. You're right. So there's zero AD, which is like um, 
Age of Empires, but it's free and open source. It's a spectacular looking game. It's free and open source. Um, you don't have to compile it anymore, I don't think. Uh, you know, so there's that. But Wasteland 2. Wasteland 2 is a game that launched with, I think it launched with inline Linux support. But Zero AD is, is free. Wasteland 2 is still like 50 bucks. It's totally worth it. If you like Fallout 2, this is the guys who made Fallout 2. They made a game before that called Wasteland that they based Fallout 2 on. I'm giving you a thumbnail sketch. And then, almost 30 years later, well, almost 25 years later. No, I'm not that old. Ooh, yeah, almost 25, 23 years later, they made Wasteland 2. Came out with Linux support. Drunken DDVR, the capital P. Right? Ivor, punch it up. I don't give a fuck if they pull us. Fuck you. Yes, Ivor, I blame you. Hang on. Yes, run the tape. Fine, that's fine. I don't give a fuck who sees that this well-oiled machine is not as easy to operate as it may appear over the airwaves. Let them see! It's a hundred episodes, for God's sake! Let them know the truth! The hideous, horrible truth of the best Linux games podcast. No, 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 no. I need this, Ivor. I need this. Ivor. Make it happen. Thank you, Ivor. I love you. Let's all say I love you to Ivor. Deja Bond Games presents Drunken Robot Pornography, the cleanest game on the internet. Please sing along. I started working in the factories of George Default, quietly stamping out the fridges in the Japanese car. Over the decades, designs evolved to sweep in your floor in a circular avatar. Aerospace and a ton of double E. Structural engineering and tech and ECE. Hired a spiky yellow girl with a bachelor's degree. Without Steam on Linux. We would not all be singing this. Together. Art in a capital P. Art in a capital P. Your mission, take it, Ivor. Your robots know what's in your heart. They dissected you while you're sleeping. Okay, anyway. So, I think that right there. But okay, fine, 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 fine. Pillars of Eternity. Pillars of Eternity, which was a crowdsourced Kickstarter game. Uh, not crowdsourced. Uh, it was a Kickstarter game meant to be um, an analog to the Wizards of the Coast, Baldur's Gate style, super hardcore role-playing games. That game was crowd literally took forever for them to make it. It was a little overpriced, but super unbelievable game. You can play it on the next. So, in conclusion, before we wrap up, because like I, I do want to mention, I'm just going to throw these out there, um, but all of this is because of Steam. And 
why is any any of this important without this guess what you are at best and this is my experience I'm sorry like I'm not the world's greatest Linux guru um, but I do go back to when I was fucking 16 so I have some experience with it um, and I have a variety of experience with it in all manners of types of anyway sorry if this is not your exact experience but uh, without any of this there were no games on Linux without Steam there were no games on Linux and at best you were trying to find literally I mean the game the XCOM game god damn it you're right Ivor hey what do you want man like this has been the week from hell (laughs) free and open source XCOM Linux Oh, God. It's called UFO Alien Invasion. Um, which you can get on GitHub still. UFO Alien Invasion. Great game. Take you about three days to compile it from the source. I mean, fuck! Whatever happened to, like, uh, let's compete with the rest of the real world, because gamers, generally speaking, like, as, like, an aggregate, they're young, which, I'm sorry if you're young, but that means that, like, as an aggregate, you're stupid, (laughs) and generally, the fact that you're a gamer means that, you know, you're some hyperactive, fucking limited attention span, what's that, Ivor? Shut the fuck up! Exactly, that's what I was saying. How many ADD kids does it take to screw in a light bulb? Let's go ride our bikes. Right? Am I right? Just, can I get a name? Uh. Without Steam. And I know that Humble Bundle, and I know I try, I wish that I could be more comfortable covering the Humble Bundle uh, bundles but I've had problems with the actual compatibility of stuff that they've said in their bundles. Is Linux compatible? And I've had, you know, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I more games is what I'm saying all the time in every way. But what I'm trying to say here is Steam brought one click, and it's important that we pay for these games, by the way. You know why? Because that means we get more games and yes yes it's almost as if just like the rest of the free and open source uh, idiosphere ecosystem whatever the fuck you want to call it it's almost like it's just like that like they don't understand that we already own them already because we've you know reduced the extreme technical overhead and the stream, extreme hardware requirements all of that through this stuff called modern technology and, and progress. We've made tools bit by bit, person by person, so that, oh, that brings us to the winnowing of the actual technological overhead to make games that we've seen. This is kind of related to Steam, but it's, it, I mean, it's not, Steam didn't cause this. This happened independently of Steam, but 
you know, just like everything else in the free and open source, it, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. So you have these synergistic factors between, you know, actual hardware becoming cheaper, um, the technology and design patterns and, and, uh, et cetera, of video game, of actual making any type of video game becoming more formalized and, and teachable with infinitely less, uh, overhead required to do it as you're doing it to actually see like, you know, like, oh, real-time rendering of your game, you can play your game um, to the point where we have number one, Unity now, people have mixed feelings about Unity, some of them those are the people who have not spent any amount of serious time with it Unity is fucking awesome Unity isn't the, you know, the be-all and the end-all here, but it is about as close to the be-all and end-all here um, one of the most aptly named fucking pieces. Unity is uh, it's almost like a uh, integrated development environment but uh, it's also an entire framework for making games and Unity, they don't make this very public but it's you know, they don't shout to the rooftops uh, especially as they update it, which is crazy because they keep it pretty updated more or less um, the unit, the Unity editor, which you can make games for free, is personal edition. The Linux version of the Unity editor, which technically is like forever in beta, just like everything else that's coming out for Linux or whatever, it works fine in Linux. Take you some googling to dig it out. I'll see if I can, you know, blah pull out the threads because blah works great in Linux. That was when a there's an episode of this podcast where I talk a little bit, I, I graze over it though because I had tons of bad experiences with Unity when Unity was like Blender was 13 years ago or whatever um, and it was all on Linux, all on uh, Windows was not on Linux finally they, they came out with a editor for Linux so you can make games in Unity on Linux and not only that, they they over the last uh, twelve months, eighteen months, it's super stable. Um, it's it's just as good. My humble opinion, I haven't spent a, anywhere near as much time with the Unity editor on a, a Windows based system. I've spent zero amount of time with it on a Macintosh. Um, I'm sorry, I meant iOS which is also known as Apple. So there we go. We just brought three generations of people together right there. Group hug. Annihilate them! No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't, you fucking ex-coat monkey motherfuckers. Anyway, no, um, I, I don't, I, I'm, but, uh, so I have a hard time comparing it directly to um, the Unity editor on Windows, and I have absolutely no basis to compare it uh, with on uh, Macintosh, but the last update that I that I was working with, I'm currently making uh, a f- not just a fairly serious, but I'm making a game in Unity. Um, it's called the Swashbuckler, by the way, the Swashbuckler, using all free and open source technologies, uh, Blender, Unity, uh, GIMP for my texture management, which is hard. There. There are better tools, I, from what I understand. But anyway, it's an entirely free and open source 
uh, development stack, making games with it. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Unity on Linux. I can't rem. I don't actually have the build that I've spent the most time using installed on this because this is my Mint 18 system and I just installed Mint 18 in this incarnation, what, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, something like that. But uh, Unity has really changed everything, not just for Linux, but really for the game industry. And as Unity gets better, and Unity is already really good, a lot of people don't like to really accept that fact that for a lot of types of games including games that if you're a thousand years old like I am you would think would be be far beyond in terms of complexity and and uh, just graphical requirements rendering requirements um yeah unity can handle that has both a 2d and a 3d engine it's unbelievable has a great marketplace too <coughs> Um, with a lot of free and prefab assets, it it's you know I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that making a video game is now super easiest thing in the world. Video games are complicated, complicated things. But literally, Unity, even if you just take the Unity approach to um, logic scripting, you know, like what we would call in like actual like um, programming world programming and design world for everything other than video games like business logic um, like, you know, glue between, you know, SQL um, and some sort of, you know, display interface and some sort of administration interface, blah, blah, blah business logic or like something that tracks you know, inventories that moves through your supply chain business logic, something that bills someone or, you know, blah, business logic even if you just took Unity's built-in if you just learned every method basically, more or less for um, Unity's built-in classes, more or less like, oh, okay now that I actually really understand everything about this aspect of the physics engine, I can now well, I can it's, <laughs> anyway even if you just took that as a style guide, that alone would make making your first video game, if you start coding it from, you know, whatever, <laughs> from fucking, fucking nothing without any fucking libraries or whatever in whatever language you want. Um, <laughs> Fortran, there you go. <laughs> Cobol. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm just kidding about that. You wouldn't want to do that. But I, but whatever, you know, starting from ground zero, if you just used Unity's approach, which is universal, um, to a lot of its physics and stuff, and the way it solves other problems, um, just in terms of it, in terms of its implementation in C sharp, in terms of scripting, that would put you a thousand times ahead of the game of anyone who is just approaching it out of whole cloth. Beyond that, if you're doing it in Unity and actually blah, 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 not reinventing the wheel, it literally makes what was once as recent ago as like five years totally um, excluded to the realm of absolute impossibility, completely 
negligible in terms of effort, training skill, etc., design, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so that's Unity, and it runs on Linux. And it makes games that run on Linux. It makes games that run on everything. Hmm. I like Unity a lot. Especially now that I'm feeling that it's finally matured. and just I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy what you can do with Unity. Just built in Unity. Well, you know, you have to learn. You know, there is a learning curve there, but there's a learning curve to making video games too. Let's say the learning curve to make video games is a 10. 10 being highest difficulty. Unity that same learning curve, if you're doing it with Unity, becomes a 0.3 at worst. Maybe a maybe a 1. In terms of like actually scripting behavior and stuff like that, it's and especially doing um, actual animation transitions and scripting of animations and transforms and automating Automating that. Ooh, that's a motherfucker to do. Just ask Jordan Meshner. Anyway, Prince of Persia. For the, I'm sorry, no one remembers Prince of Persia anyway. So, okay, so that's Unity. Then we have the Inform 7 compiler. So, okay, so on the one hand, with Unity, you can make pretty much any type of game, except it's not the world's greatest tool for making text-based adventure games, the Inform 7 compiler boasts the Inform language, which according to them, and I know a bunch of computer languages. <laughs> I had a guy say that to me about six months ago. I know a bunch of computer languages. I'm like, wow, that's cool. What about... <laughs> anyway, can you program with any of them? Can you make me something? I know a bunch of... But anyway, the Inform 7, uh, which is like both in... Uh, oh, thank you, Ivor, thank you. Ivor says, God bless you, Skooky. He actually said, Seth, you're ranting now, babe. It's an hour. I'm like, how about the hundred hours that died just to get us here? Let's hear the drug and robot pornography song. No, um... Out of all the programming languages, I mean, I know actually quite a number of programming languages, but the inform, but I don't know all of them. No one knows all of them, except maybe Richard Stallman, Linus Torvalds, and Gabe Newell. I'm sure that they would be the first people to say, I know every language! That's being facetious. So, um, the Inform 7, which is the Inform 7 compiler, which is both a compiler, a language, and an integrated development environment, uh, more or less, it can be, you can, you can bust it out. You can bust out the compiler from the I, but it's just way better to use the I, trust me. Um, I don't care how crazy, cracked out, or fucking user-specific, or anal-retentive your Emacs sublime text or eclipse or whatever the fuck you're used to working with it's if you're gonna write a text-based adventure game do yourself a favor just learn inform inform 7 and write it in inform 7 um because inform 7 brags and basically 
rightly so, although some of its constructs can become obtuse and weird, in comparison to what they actually do, and once you really nail its syntax into your head, I know that that totally is going to defeat what I'm about to say. Inform 7 boasts as being the easiest to read language to program anything on a computer ever made. It's, that's, I could see how that is probably true, but if you, I could also see how there are numerous arguments for blah, but then when you consider what it can do with basically natural language, um, it's unbelievable. So if you ever want to write a text-based adventure game, but found the overhead of actually writing um, your own interpreter to be a little much, or um, having to manage and also actually code behaviors um, like let's say you wanted to do this about 13 years ago, yeah you're not going to really be looking at an object oriented approach which makes to make text-based game so much easier but anyway, Inform does all of that for you, it's basically like writing a story um, and it makes great interactive fiction and it is robust as a motherfucker um, check out the Brass Lantern which is um, this brilliant chick by the way Repeat it with me. You're standing in a field. Um, Chick loves Zork and got really involved in the Inform uh, compiler process. Inform 7 came out this year. The Inform compiler previous versions have been around for as long as I can remember using Blender. And I go back to using Blender right after they open sourced it. So blah, Inform 7 is free and open source. It's fabulous. Make your own text-based adventure games. If you've always wanted to do it, done. Um, and then you can distribute them however you want, too. It's better if you distribute them. Uh, they have like a whole library kind of thing. Which, actually, you know what? That's not true. They don't have a whole library kind of thing. They have a whole... Um, they were, they've been leaning towards that idea but they have like a their 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 format for your text-based adventure games is incredibly portable runs across all systems that can run the inform 7 compiler um which is works great as like an ebook browser too and like an interactive shell um for end users and stuff like that super fucking wicked pisser awesome if you like myself I've been standing in a field. So, that's the Inform compiler. I also mentioned Blender. Blender, free and open source. Just stop listening to this right now and send them $100. Just do it. Or if you know anything about Blender, jump on any of the numerous Blender um, forms. There's a Blender Stack Exchange um, sub domain um, and start answering noobs questions. Give back to Blender. Blender is fucking unbelievable. Blender is free and open source runs on Linux. It is world-class software. Um, 3D rendering, animation, etc. Like, Blender blows my mind. Literally, I'm not kidding. And I've been using Blender for forever. Never had as much of a dire need and utility to really learn as much about Blender as I know now. I know 
in comparison to what I, you know, blah, like I, what, 700 times more than I, I used to know, but I used to know just what I needed to know. Now I can fucking rig shit, animate it, you know, blah. I'm still not good with textures, so if you're good with textures, help a brother out, help me out with Swashbuckler. I will pay. Um, very specific needs. But yeah, um, world-class 3D rendering, world-class video compositing, world ca- world-class fucking madness. If you work in 3D at all and you don't work with Blender, you're working you have to either be working with Blender or one of two other um, industry standard uh, programs, neither of which are free or open source. Yeah. So, yeah. Hardcore Henry. There's a whole great video of this. By the way, I actually have watched Hardcore Henry a number of times. I really like it. I was resistant to it for a long time, but then I saw that parts of it were made with Blender, and they have a whole video of exactly what the fuck. Fucking unbelievable. Same program I use. Same program I'm using to make the swashbuckler. (coughs) Also, related to Blender, a program called Make Human, which is just a great slider-based um human model generating thing, including the face, including all, it's like uh, if you ever made a character, not for Skyrim, but for uh, Oblivion, I think, was the one, Elder Scrolls, I hate, I I know, my balls just shriveled up mentioning Elder Scrolls series, but anyway, if you ever made a character in one of those games where you could like, okay, depth of forehead, I want these eyes to be farther apart, I want them to turn up, I want the the actual eye itself to be exploding out of the eye socket, a la Marty Feldman, or, and I want, you know, uh, a giant pointy crown of the head on the back of their skull, and I want big, gigantic, distended jaw, and tiny little nose and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I want a hunchback and uh, I want their, the front part of their forearm to be super thick, like a bowling ball. And then I want the rest of it to be a stick size kind of thing that at the elbow, you know, bends the wrong way and shit like that. Well, you can do all that and make human and then you can export that model into Blender, and then you can then you can rig it, and then you can animate it. Um, it's super cool, uh, and you don't even have to rig it from scratch. Even I made a pirate guy who was supposed to be um, crippled, and I wasn't quite sure like how to distort the model before I got to the rigging part. Like I I could I could I knew what I w- kind of wanted the rigging to look like, but I wasn't making those two things work together from the creation of the character was difficult in my mind in fucking make human oh yeah okay done then you take that guy and you you, you basically copy you basically retarget a pose for that guy oh yeah sure his leg works exactly as it would <laughs> you know completely fucking with like a busted kneecap blah 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 more or less and then I retargeted um onto that like actual um or the FBX, I can't remember. Actual motion captured, uh, free open source stuff, uh, from whatever university, you know, like 
uh, runway model, you know, FBX information. Or I think they're FBX. I can't remember. Because I don't really do this. I don't really retarget from motion caps anymore. I do the animations myself because it's a side-scrolling platformer. Even though it's in 3D, it's better that way. Anyway! All that can be done in Blender with Make Human 2 free and open source programs. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, I mentioned NVIDIA, I, I mentioned, you know, Ubuntu 16 and Mint 18 and all of the, I didn't quite mention as much, all of how much all, both of those projects owe not just in spiritual sense, but like in really kind of nuts and bolts sense, although I think Mint 18 might be something really crazy special in terms of some of the, um, ways they're treating desktop apps and things like that. Mint 18 is the first Linux, by the way, that I've managed to get to recognize. This might not, this is probably not a distribution thing, because at one point I had a hackish way of getting Arch to do it, but all five monitors via DisplayPort and blah, 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 which is about as disastrous as you might think. Um... I game with three now, and I still have my fourth one up, but it's generally off, just for performance reasons. But uh, so yeah, you know, you have, Ubuntu has just pushed Linux and Linux gaming. Ubuntu, even though like Steam abandoned Ubuntu for straight up, you know, quote unquote, straight up Debian, doesn't matter. That was like a decision you could see being made a mile away. Um, because yeah, we're Valve and we have like, you know, a thousand programmers more or less. And, you know, we probably have like, you know, a team of 50 guys who are just obsessed with, uh, making Steam OS, blah, blah. You know, we're going to make our own Linux distribution anyway. So yeah, we don't want to base it off, base it off of Ubuntu. We don't want to base it off of an end user product. But anyway, Ubuntu, over the last two years, think about it. And then for every problem that just jumped into your head that has been present since, you know, 2005 for you to the present day, then just think Linux Mint 18, which is the first truly, I mean, oh yeah, okay, fucking getting proprietary NVIDIA drivers to work, not a problem, not a big deal, you know, blah, 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 blah. Whereas, like, it's pulling teeth with the same goddamn 13 steps that you've been repeating every other year with Ubuntu, mid-18, out of the box, pretty crazy, full 3D acceleration, you know, with, like, one click in a menu. Pretty awesome. But also, N- NVIDIA drivers have come a long way since uh I want to say that was like what was that like 18 months ago let's find out and then I will let everyone go until the next 100 years but let's see uh this Torvald's rant Nvidia do anything that I get it done Ivor I know I didn't think we were going to okay that was July 7 2012 and I heard about it on Jupiter Broadcasting because I did not care about... No, it's not 412. Hang on. There's a recent... 
evidently they uh did a Jupiter Broadcasting and Noah, Noah uh, of Linux Action Show, just revisited this clip recently. Oh, well. But the original is from uh, June 17, 2012, according to YouTube. Oh, well. So that's significantly. Oh, here we go. Here, Oh, from something from Pharonix, of course. It's been three years since Linus Torvald's huge NVIDIA rant, which is June 17, 2015. And even at that point, honestly, like, NVIDIA had started to get better, but Ubuntu still like, oh, you're having problems with it. It's like, well, how can you still be having problems? Anyway, and I completely understand both sides of that argument, but Ubuntu, NVIDIA, Linux Mint 18, all of this, Steam video games, Linux, and not just a few, but enough to justify having listened to this, the 100th episode of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Ah, thank you so much. I will see you next week. I am your host, Skooky Sprite, S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E. We have no uh, video of the week, I don't think, this week, although our Starbound dedicated server is up. We have a link to a bunch of information about that on uh, our webpage, www.bestlinuxgames.com. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I, I know this was a little ranty and stuff, but it's episode 100, and it's two years, and it's two transformative years, not just for video games outside of Linux, and not just for games inside of Linux, but for Linux itself because of video games on top of all of that. So, thank you so much. Um, hopefully, we'll keep on trucking for another 100 episodes. Ha-ha! <laughs> I've lost my voice. Oh, but we have one deal this week. It would not be complete without a deal. Um, not a hero. A great, great, great... She's Welsh, baby! Little side-scrolling surrealist shooter with hilarious dialogue, unbelievable pixel junk uh, animation, and some actually kind of elevator action-inspired... Um, not platforming, but like gunplay, two-dimensional gunplay act. It's a weird fucking game. Not a hero now through September 26th is 75% off at $3.24. Come and join us on the Starbound server. Find the creds. Message me. Join the Steam uh, group, Best Linux Games. No one joins, which is hilarious. Our server, our actual web server keeps crashing because everyone keeps... <laughs> downloading us through Gpotter or uh, through um yeah whatever whatever pod whatever Linux based podcatcher they want straight up through the RSS feed which is a digital ocean droplet we also have SoundCloud we're available on iTunes wherever wherever whiskey is sold and now I will leave you with the following meditation on Linux cheers thanks so much later days The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. 
BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice. It only runs on Linux. Ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous.